Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. So uh, 1 Kings 18 is where we're going to be today. We have had like a tremendous buildup. I didn't realize the way I was doing it. In my mind, I was telling you like today is um, like the, the, the big day in Elijah's life. But I think I subtly communicated today is like going to be an awesome sermon. And uh, I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> never ever promise awesome before an event. Okay, that's so, so <laughs> we're going to see how well uh, we do with that. Uh, but um, as we look at Elijah's life, one of the things, so I love, you know, you know I love studying, like, like truly looking into people's lives because you see things that you've never saw before, even though I've, I've read these passages, that type of thing. And, and I'm shocked at this point of how much of the story of Elijah is really God through Elijah to other people. So you start out with Ahab, this wicked king, and he is taking the people of Israel away from uh, the worship of the true God uh, and into idolatry. And so it really has uh, more to do with that. And then Elijah goes and he stays with a widow, a faithful follower of Jesus. And we see her faithfulness uh, through difficult days. We see God's faithfulness to the widow, again, through Elijah as he raises her from the dead. Last week we saw uh, how Elijah was prepared, but half of the sermon was how Obadiah was prepared for the God. And so it just, it struck me as I was thinking about this, uh, your life is, is not just your life. Your life is the story of God using you to impact others. And the moment that we think it's about us and the moment that we don't understand, like you truly have unbelievable influence. You truly have unbelievable leadership in the way that you uh, connect with Jesus in the lives of others. And so uh, I want to see, I want us to follow that pattern again today, but we're finally going to see Elijah affect an entire nation. Uh, he truly, truly is concerned about his people turning away from God, the Israelites. And so we're going to look at uh, how he uh, brings them back. So Ahab is the king. Uh, Elijah is the prophet. Ahab is wicked. And because of the wickedness of the people, God has brought a, 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 a drought on the land of Israel for three and a half years. So now Elijah is going to confront Ahab. So 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 20. So, a, uh, so Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Now, this is not uh, good prophets. This is bad prophets. These are, these are uh, prophets of Baal and Asherah, false gods. So Elijah approached, in verse 21, Elijah approached all the people. So there's a huge crowd of people here. And this is on the top of the mountain, right by the Mediterranean Sea. And he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if, but if Baal is God, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. 
They are to choose one bull for themselves. They cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. So I'll prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of my Lord. And the God who answers with fire, he's God. So all the people said, that's, that's fine. So I want us to look first at divided allegiance, divided allegiance. And the big idea here is that divided allegiance is simple idolatry. Divided allegiance is a simple idolatry. If you would have asked the people of Israel, they would have said, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm a, true, I'm a follower of Yahweh. I'm a, I'm a, uh, but but they, they would sometimes go, in fact, more often than not, these days they would have gone to the, the uh, Asherah and the, the Baals of their day, and they would have worshipped there, but they wouldn't have totally, in their mind totally abandoned that God. So when you read this text, don't think of it like Elijah going to the Taliban. All right, that, that's, that's not what he's doing here. So uh, the Taliban are fully committed to their religion. It is a false religion, but they're, they're in all the way, okay? They're not wishy-washy within that. It would be like, instead, Elijah coming to America. Elijah coming to America, and you know, especially in the South, okay, uh, especially in Texas. And Elijah comes to Texas, and he says, hey, follow the true God. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I have not left Jesus, you know. I mean, I've got to be a Christian. I'm a Texan. I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, surely I'm a Christian. I mean, that's, that's got to be it. But, but they have divided allegiances, and, and, and Elijah says, you're wavering. You are back and forth between these gods. You, you've got to quit that. Like, that, that's the worst place to be. In fact, I heard a good sermon uh, a few weeks ago in youth. Uh, so, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, uh, God says, don't be, uh, be either hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Because if you're hot, that means you are on fire for Christ. And if you're cold, that means you're totally out. God can work with someone cold. But he says, don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle, back and forth. Which way am I going? This, you know, oh, all my friends are at church, so I'm going to go here. Oh, all my friends are this, so I'm going to go here. And it's this back and forth. Don't be that because that is idolatry. Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Is a simple truth. Jesus is and must be the Lord of our lives. So he brings them in and he wants all of the people to come back to God. And so I think in our day, we, we, we can see this in so many ways. Uh, you can definitely see it in your friends that claim Christianity, but then there are moments where you wonder about them. There are moments that you, oh. In fact, we were, I, I was with a group of pastors this week, and we were talking about a, a famous pastor that fell and, and how, um, how amazing what he did was. I mean, it was amazing. Um, but uh, several of the people there were, were on his staff, and they saw this different person sometimes on staff and heard these different stories. And that has scared me to death over the years. That has tr I, I, I think by preaching the Word of God, even if I was false, the Bible says, you know, the, the Word of God does not come back void. So even if I was someone else outside of this, the Word of God would still work in this setting. The problem would be my family specifically my children, that they would see someone different in the pulpit and at the, the dinner table. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want And they have. I mean, they've seen me sin. They've seen me mess up. And so we've got to be so careful that we're not back and forth. So sometimes we say we're a Christian, but we just sort of check our horoscope just to see, just for fun. I've heard so many people say. We say we love truth. 
but uh, we say we have uh, we we love truth, but but we curate this false life and identity on social media, and we want to follow something that's not true. We say we have faith in Jesus, but we check our bank account often, and we are bothered this day by the way our, our uh, investments are tanking because it crumbles some of our some of the way that we believe in the, the stability of our life is. Be careful. Be careful that you don't waver between two gods and two opinions. That's what's happening. So Elijah pro- uh, uh, proposes a simple test. Well, let's, let's figure out which, which God we should serve. That's a good test. Like, figure it out. Like, I can't believe people in the world haven't figured this out. Like, where, where, where another religion is p- predominant, and, and I can't believe that they can't see where when Christianity comes in, everything truly gets better. Relationships get better, uh, economics flourish, uh, stability. It's unbelievable. People don't do that. So Elijah's like, let's just cut through all this and let's call down some fire. So verse 25. So they say, that's good. So let's look at the prophets of, of Baal first. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, remember there's 450 of them. Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of the Lord your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, they prepared it, and they called on the name of the Baal from morning until noon. So we're talking hours of this. And they were saying, Baal, answer us. And then there was no sound and no one answered. So they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked him and he said, shout loudly, for he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and you'll wake him up. And so it's funny, you know, you're like, your God's lazy. It's lunch and he's still asleep. Um, So they shouted more loudly. They cut themselves with knives and spears according to their customs until the blood gushed over them. And all afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. There was no sound, no one answered, and no one paid attention. So a great question that I have stolen from Dr. Phil is this. How's that working out for you? (laughs) I mean, really, like, like, like your, your life and your belief system, you have a philosophy and a belief. How's it working out for you? I mean, I mean, now, I'm not promising that once we adopt Christianity, everything's good. But for, they, they cannot seem to get it through their heads that the moment that they, they turned to this false god, the moment that Ahab came on the throne and began to introduce uh, a false religion, they had a drought. And Elijah, so that there was no conjecture about this, Elijah told them that this is the Lord your God and he's displeased and he's going to send rain uh, when you turn back to him. But they, they continue on in this mindset, in this way, that they, they continue on to think, you know what, if the problem is we just need to try harder. The problem is it's not working now, but let's double down on, on this way of thinking. And I, and I see so many people doing this. Now, this is really funny. Um, Uh, So there are little, so if you look at at verse 26, the very last sentence, so they had danced. If you look at the word dance, it has a little A beside it. That's a study note. So you look at the bottom of the page, and what happens is is in translation is there's not always a one-to-one translation. So sometimes uh, the the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, so this word has multiple meanings. So we have to translate one of them and tell you about the other one. So I love the translation here. It says, okay, so they danced around. So they're, you know, ecstatically dancing around. But the other way to think of this is hobbling because they were cutting themselves. And 
And so it was an awkward dance is all I, you know. So uh, as many of us as men do, uh, we, and so I just, I love that idea of just, you know, them, them like, oh, and, and, you know, and, and Elijah's like, I just don't think you've cut yourself enough. Maybe you're right. And, uh, and so they do it more. And so he teases them over and over again. And if you are a middle school boy, or have the mentality of a middle school boy, all right? Listen to me, because I'm going to make your day. I guarantee you, you're going to talk about this at lunch, unless your mom's there. All right, so here we go. So verse 27, again, a great study note. So they said, so he says, maybe he's thinking over. Maybe he's wandered around. There's a little B above that. The, the other translation that they just don't do in this text because they don't want it to sound non bible is simply this. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. All right, so I mean, Elijah is sitting there and maybe your God is just, you know, got some incontinence going on. So maybe God needs some emodium is what he's saying there. He is, he is making fun. That's what that word means. And so he's wandered away. The reason is, is he's in the bathroom. And so he's got problems. And so he's making fun fun of their God. And so uh, over and over, and, and why this is so important is because they try and they try and they try and they try and, and, and it's not real. It's, it's not real. And, and how's that working out for you? How's your life if you are in this state of Christianity and worldliness? You know, Sunday and, you know, Friday night or Saturday night and Sunday morning are different, different people in that. How, how is that working out for you? Where, where are you in those things? It has been, it has been strange to me over the years um, to, to watch people because all of us have a philosophy. All of us have a thought process. This is how we do this certain thing. Even if it's not very thought out, you have that. So this is the way that we do marriage. This is the way that we raise children. And, and if you would think about it long enough, you could actually write it out. You, you know, and this, this is what we do. But what I've always been amazed at is how people aren't able to see, okay, once I adopt this philosophy, this is where it takes me. And this is what it produces. And this is what happens when I, do the, when I believe these things and therefore do these things. And then they see sometimes the end result and then they double down. They don't like the result, so they double down on it. That's exactly what's happening here. Don't believe, don't live in a false philosophy that takes you away from God. If you start to see and, you know, your children, and, and I mean, they're six, seven, eight, nine, and th their obedience and their, their, their just so many things are out of control. Well, figure something different out because that's not going to change. If you and your wife are, are sitting there, or you and your husband are sitting there, and you're still married, and there, there's no talk of divorce, but it, it's like an existence. It's like a, just a kind of a something versus a deep and a, and a thoughtful and a love and a desire, well, then don't just continue on that path. Do something different. If you continue to find yourself struggling financially over and over and over, and you believe if you just had that big paycheck, that big boom, man, and everything would be better, that's, that's not true. That's not true. The primary problem with most of our lives when we're financially uh, in trouble is not the amount of money that we have. It's the way that we spend the amount of money that we have. 
And so you need to look at this. How's that working out for you? And if you don't like where it's taking you, change. Change. Look to the Bible. Find a godly person in this room and ask them, how are y'all doing? And, and not the same stage as you. All right, because the same stage as you, uh, it's, it's philosophy. Look at somebody who's down the road further than you, somebody that's older than you, somebody with grayer hair than you or no hair. Uh, and, and find those people. Uh, find those people and ask, okay, what are you doing? And how are you doing those things? This makes all the difference in the world so that we don't uh, continue to just you know, we, we think it's funny. They cut themselves and they danced around and they hobbled around. But then no one answered. No one paid attention. They were serving a false God. And so we have to be careful that we're not doing the same thing. Well, we need to try harder. We need to do better. No, no, no. Maybe you need to serve a different God. So that's what happens. So Elijah does this. Verse 30, um, somewhere. Okay, verse 30. Yep. All right, so Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. So no one was even worshiping at this place at this point. So Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel will be your name. He built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood. He cut up the bull and he placed it on the wood. Then he said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. Uh, stop right there for just a second. I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people over the years, you're like, during a drought where they get the water, they're beside the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so, so it's, it's not drinking water, it's salt water. But there's plenty of water in the Mediterranean Sea. And so that's what they're doing right now. There is no water left on the land. We learned that last week. They are, they are about to um, be, you know, thirsty unto death here. And so, but he, he wants to show that, that he, he, I mean, the, the, the place is drenched. Verse 36. So at the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and he said, now this is his prayer. This is the most important part of the entire text. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant, and at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. Why? So that this people will know that you are the Lord, you are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. So the Lord's fire fell. It consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So I'm going to teach you over the next couple of minutes how to pray a prayer of faith, how to pray a prayer of faith. This is one of the most life-giving, important lessons I have learned in my life. And, uh, and, and I want to teach you how to pray a prayer of faith. Elijah prays a prayer, and in English, it's 60 words. So he prays, I mean, it's, it's not in a long or elaborate prayer, but because of that, God consumes the entire, I mean, uh, think of the heat that was required to consume all of it at once, and, and, he, and that happens. And then think of the power of God displayed that all the people that were like back and forth, they're like, oh, 
I believe I'll go with that God. And so, so that, that's what happens here. Think of the power that is, that is shown here, not just in the fire, but the spiritual power that God shows in his life. And so that is available to us in the prayer of faith. In fact, the Bible specifically says this. The Bible says Elijah was a man just like us, yet he prayed. And so we see Elijah. Anything that good comes from Elijah's life is because he is a man of prayer. And you and I, if we are going to be successful, we're going to see God move in our lives, in the people around us, in, in those who, who we come in contact with, then we're going to have to learn to be people of prayer. And I want to teach you today how to be a person uh, that knows how to pray faith prayers. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So when we pray, we are praying a prayer that we believe that God is doing something, that God is going to use it, that God is truly moving amongst us in this place. So we've got to pray a uh, prayer of faith. So for so many of us, we think of prayers as like, well, there's nothing to do but pray. Like that's, that's not the last resort. That's, that's the first thing. Let's pray about this. Let's pray about this. Let's pray. And let's pray a prayer of faith. So 1853, a 21-year-old named Hudson Taylor, left England for uh, China. Now, at this time, there were about a dozen evangelical missionaries in all of China. Most of those missionaries were at the port cities. The reason is, is there were some, that's where most of the money was. Uh, they, there would be English uh, merchants that would come in there, and they would hire these missionaries to be translators for them because there just weren't that many people. This was not a global economy in those days. And so, so the missionaries would be missionaries unless they got, you know, hired for a little bit and make some real money from the businessmen. And, the, and Hudson Taylor was like, no, God has called me to be a missionary. So he went inland. He started what was called the China Inland Mission. So he went where no one else was, was going at the time. And, and I mean, he worked hard. He worked so hard, as a matter of fact, that he almost killed himself. He had to go home to... Um, he had to go home to uh, uh, England and recuperate. And he was praying along the beach one day in England. And he was just, I'm trying doing this. And, and God just spoke to him. And God showed him. And he said, I walked away from that day with this idea. God, you provide and I'll follow. I just need you to provide and I'll follow. I can't. He was, he was really kind of trying to do it all himself. He was, you, you know, just excessive, excessively uh, working. And so this breakdown changed his life. So he went back to China, and he brought back missionaries with him. And he told them, like, we're going to go where no one else is going. We are going to cease to be English, pretty much, and we are going to be Chinese. We are going to dress Chinese. Uh, we are going to speak Mandarin. We are going to, the, the men wore the pigtails in those days, and, and he wore those. He, we are going to adopt that, that culture, and we are going to bring the gospel to these people. There was a dozen missionaries in all of China at this point, and he had on his boat because he began to pray, God, I can't do this alone. Send me help. So the very first boat, the second time he went back, had him and 16 other missionaries. And he said, we're not going to fundraise because that takes too much time. God's just going to provide. And they began to pray and they began to see, well, 16 can do a lot more than just or 17 with him, can do a lot more than one. So let's pray uh, for some more. And the next year they prayed and 100 came. 
and then another hundred. And then by the end of Hudson Taylor's life, uh, there was over a thousand missionaries that he was in charge of in this, in this area, in the China Inland Mission. And they, they were changing the culture so much today that there's a hundred million believers in China today. You and I must learn to pray, God, I need you to do the supernatural in faith. In what I cannot do, and what I'm not good at, you need to do. So here, let me give you some, some instructions. First of all, James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. The first part of James chapter 4, uh, or the last part of James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. The reason most of us don't have a good prayer life is because we don't pray. <laughs> that's, that's the reason. You're like, my prayer life's not very good. Well, really, it's, it's probably non-existent. Or it's, it's, it's at certain times when you're supposed to pray. And the Bible says that we ought to ask in prayer. We ought to ask for things. He says you don't have it because you don't ask for it. And so one of the best uh, uh, ways that you can adopt this is when you wake up in the morning and you look at your daily calendar, you look at your schedule, you look at what's going on that day, you begin to just go through with God. Jesus taught this as well. Give us this day our daily bread. Just look at what you're doing that day and ask God to come into those situations. Ask God for help in those situations. Uh, be bold. Write down two words. Be bold and be specific. Be bold and be specific. Elijah did not pray for some lighter fluid and a Bic lighter. Uh, so don't do that. I mean, pray for fire from heaven. Now, God might give you lighter fluid and a Bic lighter, and that's okay, all right? But, but uh, pray big, bold prayers and ask for specific things. Um, I'm in the middle of this right now, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is right now I'm praying for. Uh, but I am going to tell you that I got a smile on my face because it's working. Uh, and uh, God is doing this right now in my family, right now. And I mean huge, 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 way big. I want these things for you. I want this for you. I, but you've got to learn to ask God for big, bold prayers because you believe he can do it. That's a prayer of faith. And then in verse 3 of James chapter 4, it says, sometimes you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask with the wrong motives. You ask that you can use it all for yourself. You know you're not praying correctly when everything that you are praying for is for you. You're not praying correctly. You need to pray for you, absolutely. But if all you're praying for is you, you are praying incorrectly. You need to be interceding for us. The Bible teaches us to pray our Father, not my Father. And so we have to learn to pray for others. So we pray specific, bold prayers for others as well. And we pray with our own uh, motives in mind. And we acknowledge those to God. I, I, I sometimes pray for stuff that just sounds super cool. Uh, and that's okay. But, but I, acknowledge, I was like, God, I'm just... That seems cool. Uh, I would like that. Or, or that just, you, you, you know, uh, if, if it, you've got to acknowledge what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And if you will, uh, and it's not just about you and it's not just about uh, uh, how that can affect you, uh, then, man, the sky's the limit. I've, I remember really struggling through this in the old days because uh, when River Valley was really, really small, I was praying for a really, really big church. I've always, I've always prayed that prayer. 
Uh, I mean, I'm talking when, when we were excited for, you know, 60, 80 people on a Sunday. I prayed for big, big numbers. And sometimes people would, you know, think, would assign me wrong motives. And they'd be like, you just want a big church. And that's, it wasn't true. It's, it wasn't true then. And it wasn't true now. All right. You guys come in here and I love you, but you bring your problems. Uh, and so that can be problematic sometimes. And, and it, it gets complicated and, and I don't feel, I feel overwhelmed as a leader and I don't feel like I'm good enough and all of these uh, struggles that we all have. But here's the deal. I want to, I want to see a lot of people in heaven and I want Jesus to invade a lot of people's lives. And I want him to come to our friends, our family, our coworkers, and our neighbors. And the only way that I know how to do that is for us to continue to reach people. Amen? And that's what we want. And so we have to pray these big, big, bold prayers for Jesus. And so pray those. And then the last thing that I do in a prayer of faith, uh, this is not in the text, but someone taught me this year ago, years ago, and it's one of my favorite things to do. At the end of your prayer, say thank you. As if it's already happened. It's one of my favorite things to do. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for my uh, family member to get out of sin and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then I will pray and I will vision in my mind, Jesus, thank you for the day that we go to worship together. Thank you for the day that they lay their drugs down. Thank you for the day. Uh, and and, I, pray that, and I, I, I praise Jesus as if those things have already happened. And it's, it's been one of the most liberating things because it builds my faith when I see it in my mind. When I'm praying for people in that way, I pray that God is answering uh, my prayer in that way. Learn to pray prayers of faith. So I'm going to offer you this week, I, I think I do this fairly regularly, but I would love to pray for you. So uh, my uh, email is uh, Cody, C-O-D-Y, at myrivervalley.church. Send me your email request. Listen to me. Two things. Number one, I want your email requests. Yours. Not people you know. Yours, okay? All right. So I'm just, I'm just being very honest here, okay? Uh, I want yours. All right, so some people are like, I don't pray for myself. Well, get used to it. Pray for yourself. I want to. I want yours. Number two, I promise I will spend an, a, a large amount of time in prayer, but we are not going to begin an email conversation back and forth about those things. I, I can't do that. Uh, and so if you will send it to that, you, I need you to be assured that I will take those. And this week, I will spend a significant amount of time in prayer for whatever's important in your life, whatever. Um, that, that you need. Uh, I will keep those in confidence. If you would like to share with me uh, confidential things, uh, I'm the only one right now. I don't have an assistant right now. No one else has access to my email. So I will be the only one uh, that sees those. I will keep those in confidence unless uh, you are, are going to hurt yourself or someone else. I will share that immediately because we don't want that to happen. But besides that, please, please tell me and, uh, and I'll, I want to pray for you. Is that, is that fair? Taking me up, all right? I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm truly, truly serious. You're like, he'll have too many. I promise I won't. Uh, I want to pray for you. So, I'll, And I will pray big prayers of faith. So let me know specifically. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't send me, you know, unspoken. Well, speak it, man. Give me the prayer, all right? So, um, all right, verse 40. Last one today. This is cool. All right, so Elijah ordered them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon, and he slaughtered them there. Stop right there. That's all we're going to go today. All right? 
So he killed the prophets of Baal. This is one of those things that Americans, you're like, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, this is one of those things that we just have a tough time wrapping our mind around. This is one of the reasons that some people are like, the God of the Old Testament was mean. He's the same God for always. He hates anything and anyone that's trying to turn you away from him. Period. Hates it. Hates it. And these men have uh, dedicated their life knowing what the true God wants, choosing not to follow that, and choosing to bring people. And God says, kill them. Kill them all. Now, here is, you've got to learn to seize the prophets in your life. Now, to be clear, all right, please hear me. We don't kill them anymore, all right? That's, that's, all right? But we do get rid of them. Anything or any person that is taking you away from the people, the person, and the work of God, you need to get away from in your life. You need to get away from. Unless you are married to them, and then we'll, we can pray through, through some very specific things there. But I'm telling you, get away from those people. It, it, we, the, one of the reasons is that we often live in this world uh, back and forth is because here you are around a bunch of Christians, uh, but the last couple of days you were around a bunch of lost people, and you act like whichever group you're in. You, you follow, not lead, and that's, that's very common. And so, so get, away, get away from those. Some of you probably are so consumed with that, especially if you grew up in Bastrop or you've done a lot of sinning in Bastrop and you know where to sin and who to sin with. One of the things that I would recommend is at least pray about actually moving, like leave. I think of Bastrop as this wonderful godly place because that's all I've ever known of Bastrop. You probably think of it in both worlds now that you're trying to live for the Lord, but you know the old days. Man, one of the best things that you can do is is leave if that's the way you are. And you struggle with going over to that guy's house again or doing that at that place again. You've got to be careful in that. My favorite story. Uh, In 723, a missionary named Boniface went to Germany to the uh, state of Hesse. You often hear Hessians. That's where they are. It's a state in Germany. And and he had very good success uh, turning them from their pagan religions. And uh, pagan means uh, they, 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 they would choose whatever at that moment seemed to work the best for them. The problem was they weren't monotheistic. In other words, they, had, they believed in multiple gods. We believe in one god. Uh, but they believed in multiple gods. So here comes Boniface talking about Jesus, and they're like, let's try Jesus. And it worked for a while. But then uh, Boniface had to go back and report uh, to the church that sent him what happened. Well, the problem was in the meantime is that they went back to their pagan ways because they're like, well, we don't have anybody teaching us. And these pagan guys over here, they'll teach us. So they were back and forth. And, and, and Boniface faced exactly what we face sometimes with this back and forth. So, so uh, Boniface, uh, I didn't know this. I, I read a new book on him. I didn't know. He was 50 years old. And so I'm, I'm getting really, really close uh, to being 50. So it sort of spoke to me because he went to the, to the grove where they worshiped um, Thor, the god of lightning and thunder, all right? And so he looked incredibly uh, like Hemsworth in, in the movie. And so, uh, right? And so, and so he, uh, he went there and right in the middle of this grove with his, was this huge ancient oak. And he told the people the day before what he was going to do. So there was a huge crowd around, and he brought an axe. And he said, I'm going to cut down the oak. And what I love about that story is, can you imagine felling a huge tree with an axe when you're 50? 
Uh, like, and that, that really, like, I, I want that kind of energy and passion in my life. Uh, now, make no doubt about it. One of the missionaries in another area of the town was um, uh, Phrygia had tried something similar, and they had killed him. They had killed this missionary. But they didn't mess with, with him that day. And the reason was, as he walked into this grove, uh, the, there, was, there was a storm brewing. And they thought, oh, Thor is fixing to strike him with thunder and strike him with lightning. And, and so there was this massive storm coming on, and they could see it. And, uh, and, and, but Boniface went, and he went to the edge of the tree, and he said, you've got to choose your God. There is a true God, and this tree is represented by a false God. And he took the first swing, whack, and, uh, and nothing happened. And they thought, that, uh, they thought that Thor would strike him. Now, what's interesting about this is this is not mythology. There's actually uh, many letters of people that wrote about this event uh, because it was so impactful in their life. And so before he could take the second swing, this storm that had come in that they thought was uh, Thor that was going to strike him with thunder, the storm came in and blew the people over and literally blew the tree over. And as it fell, it split into four pieces. And everyone looked and they said, I think we'll serve that God. Uh, same exact thing that we see in the text. God wants to be known and shown in power. He cut up all of that. <clears throat> he cut up all of that wood and he used it uh, to make uh, uh, St. Peter's Church there. And so it stood for hundreds of years. You've got to learn and get rid of those trees or whatever it is. You've got to get rid of those things. And you know where they are and what they are. You know who they are. And, and I'm telling you, there, there, there might be a time that you can go back and witness to those people, but right at the first is not that time. I, had to, I was very thankful that I was able to leave West Texas for a lot of years. I did go back and I did win several of my classmates to the Lord much later. But I left for a long time. You've got to seize the prophets. You've got to seize the prophets. So... I want to write where you are. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I think what is amazing about what Elijah did was he brought people back to God. So God, give me the spirit of Elijah. I think what's happening today is that a lot of us, we live in, in sort of a wishy-washy, who we're going to serve way. We wouldn't say that. We would say we were Christians, but many of us, we know we, we, we're back and forth. We're back and forth with the way that we think. We're back and forth with our time, with our attention, with our money, with uh, so many things. And if we were to look at those things and we'd say, yeah, you know, you're kind of in between two, two gods. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And God's saying, why don't you come back? The, the power today is in the Word of God. The power is in the Word of God. We don't, we don't need signs or miracles. He does them, but we don't need them. The power is in the Word of God. I think, regardless of the effectiveness of how I communicated this, I think there's a lot of you right now that you would know, this is true and this is for me. That's where the power is. Not everybody, but a lot of you. And so I want to ask you right where you are today, if you serve in the middle of two worlds, 
I want you to just confess that and be honest with Christ. This is you and God. Tell him where you are. Tell him what those things are, who those people are, where those places are, whatever it is that you're like, I'm in the middle of this two worlds. God, I want to be fully yours. Now ask the Holy Spirit, what are the prophets that I should seize in my life, get rid of? Ask them to speak to you, show you. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we want to serve you with our whole heart today. God, how many times um, have we been, have I been back or forth? God, help us to be fully yours. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.